Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. Welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. And you're an agent with Codal Banker Seawert Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. And you are my licensed assistant and bonus husband. Okay, bonus that you are my husband too, not bonus husband, but let's clear that up right away as I get the, the funny looks. <laughs> <laughs> we work well together. We do. So today with with us in front of the microphone is Arnie Nystrom from the town of Grand Rapids. Which is awesome. We're new members of the town. So that's that's great. Um so we're ex- I'm excited to learn a little bit about the town that we now live in. We lived in the city for a long for 11 years and we moved out. We call it country and a lot of people start laughing at us. But we're in the country. We're we're right next to Cornfield. It's just on the street. Exactly. So Arnie, what what is what's your position with the town and then kind of go into how is the town different than city? Sure. That's great. Again, Arnie Nystrom, I'm the chairman. Been the chairman now. This is uh two terms I am uh, up for re-election this year. There's nobody running against me. So unless there's a big write-in candidate, that's uh, probably here another two years. Pretty much that's, uh, I've been uh, in the town of Grand Rapids uh, since 1976. So that's quite a few years. Been on the town board since 1995 when I was first elected as a supervisor and stayed that till basically till after I, w- till I was real close to retirement. And Oh, wow. Then uh, there was a change uh, in the current chairman, and I jumped in and took his spot and then ran for the chairman for the remaining remaining term. So it's yep. uh, very rewarding. I've enjoyed. Uh, I was very introverted in high school, grade school, nervous as heck when I had to talk to anybody, nervous <laughs> when I had to give my English speech. I got sick the morning before it, just thinking about it. But, you know, after being in the town and sitting at meetings and finally getting to talk a little bit, it pretty much turned me around. So I'm not afraid to talk to anybody now. And sometimes my uh, conversations can be very in-depth, especially if I'm trying to problem-solve for somebody. Sure. But it's what we love to do. So... In the city, we've got a mayor and alder persons, and alder persons are really set to each of their aldermen, exactly. aldermanic words. Yeah, to the words. Yeah. So how does that work in the town? Well, actually, the town, it's uh, basically you are elected by the entire population to serve it. We have uh, four supervisors and one chairman. And uh, the town is cons- a town is considered the closest piece of uh, government towards the public. Uh, you know, the town electors uh, still technically have the responsibility to set our budget. Uh, if uh, we hold a budget meeting in November and uh, if somebody came in and said they wanted to uh, lower the tax rate and there was enough people to vote for it, the tax rate will get lowered. But that's never really happened uh, with Grand Rapids typically because uh, we strive to uh, perform and provide what the public wants at the most economical cost. Uh, Grand Rapids is the third largest community in Wood County. Mm-hmm. We're the 13th or 14th largest largest township in the state of Wisconsin with uh, approximately 7,800 people. And covering over 20,000 square miles. Wow, uh, we're 22,000. 22,000. 22, 22 square miles in the township. There you uh, go. Basically. Yeah, no, no, no thousands on it. Yeah, okay. we got to get the thousands. <laughs> if you talk about square feet or something, yeah. But anyway, that uh, uh, town uh, has changed over the years. Uh, for those of you that may have been around for a long time, where the expressway goes down to the river, to the south, all the way to the airport, was the town of Grand Rapids. Uh, Back in 50s or 60s, they started to have issues with water and or sewer issues there. And that whole section then annexed off and 
one large piece to the city of Rapids. In, in what I've said to people in, in, in many years is if there is a valid reason to leave the town, you know, the town is not going to hold you back. Right. Yeah, we, uh, there's the power of, uh, you know, a certain number of people have to vote in a group mm-hmm. if you want to go all at once. But if, you, if there's valid reasons, in a lot of the times it may be uh, the water's changed or the sewer, their septic system has failed and the city is right next door to them, maybe that makes sense to, to become a city member. But, so that kind of explains why we will find on the on the edge where one house is Grand Rapids, the next house is City of Wisconsin Rapids, next house is Grand Rapids. No, yeah, that's that's why you see what we call it's not a cookie cutter, it's just a you know, an edge that's artificially put in there because of one reason. And maybe another reason the city annexed uh, like a piece of industrial land mm-hmm. that was Grand Rapids had uh Actually, their East Commerce Park listed on our map system as being future industrial lands, uh, simply because it was next to railroad tracks, and railroad tracks are are good for industrial purposes. Mm -hmm. And the city uh, looked at, uh, you know, expanding. There's their west side facility was filling up, and, you know, basically the town didn't put up any fight to it to uh, let them do it because, you know, it makes sense to have jobs. Oh, yeah. Uh, jobs mean more people. Jobs mean more people looking for housing. And Grand Rapids is attractive because of parks, uh, Wood County Park System, uh, good walking trail that they have around there, uh, and the future walking trail that will come from 32nd Street right into the uh, uh, trail system that goes around Lake Wazicha. Uh, we're working on an, a use agreement with the city of Rapids as we speak. Uh, they may approve it at their next meeting. Our board may approve it uh, soon. And then the Grand, uh, the Grand Rapids will have to try to fundraise for a little bit of the, the process. It's not going to be a paved trail. It'll be a hard-packed surface trail uh, so that on the East End, part of that is used by the snowmobile clubs during the winter months. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we need to uh, make arrangements that we both can be users of it. Uh, We can use it as as a walking, biking trail uh, for the eight to 10 months out of the season and then shut the trail down and let the snowmobile club hopefully use it more than 10 days like they had this year. (laughs) <laughs> this was a very nice year for us to move into a different house. Right. It was nice and mild. We didn't get the nice snow like I was hoping for, but. Yeah, that was a kind of a bummer, the snow, but the, the cold weather that we had in, uh, was it late January or was that in February? That we was had, in February, like yeah. mid-February yeah, we got frozen. Hit hard and it stuck around for, that for was a couple chilly. weeks. That mm-hmm. was chilly. Yes, it was. So some of the, you, you mentioned some of the community amenities here in Grand Rapids, um, like the, so we've got Lake Wazicha, that that's a huge draw, and the water ski tournament usually every year. Mm-hmm. And on the, I want to say it's the north side of the lake, we've got the what? Frisbee Golf that's over there. So that side has started to get yep. developed, so it would be on the White Sands side. So it's just a little bit further down from White Sands. Yeah, they're, they've got a developed five-year plan, the county parks does. I can't recall exactly what it is. But this year, um, the county um, bought the bikes from the company that was renting bikes. From the city. From yeah. the city. The county owns those now. And Grand Rapids has the, funded the cost of having five of them staged at, uh, at uh, Red Sand or White Sand Beach area. Okay. Um, those are all tracked uh, GPSs and all that. Mm-hmm. And while they were there in the past, those were the most used bikes. So we've uh, we've agreed to support uh, funding for them to be put back there this year. But and I know that that trail around Wazicha is really nice. It's four point four miles, something like that. Yeah. And it it was always really nice. I always enjoyed you know I had to drive in because I didn't want to do the four mile walk to the lake and then walk four miles and then walk four miles back. It just seemed a little excessive. But it was great to come and to walk around. I know my son loves to run around the lake and 
it's it's been great as far as a feature to be able to go that's close by that has a pretty path. It's a great area. And then if I could maybe move on to a, a topic that's really high in my thing is sure. the, the safety of our community. All right. Uh, we have a full-time police department, which is unusual for townships. Yes. Uh, there's probably, of the, the 12 larger ones, uh, about two-thirds of them have uh, departments. Some of them are part-time, but ours is full-time, and, and we have our own investigator, which uh, kind of helps move things along when we have cases. You know, prior to us using the county, which has a very excellent investigation service, but with, you know, all the other crimes that are around the area, it's pretty tough for them. And they're servicing the entire county. County. Mm-hmm. And that's where we see a lot of towns and townships. They would only have the protection from the county's um, deputies and right. their services. Right. And, and uh, the fact that we have the full-time department leads me to believe that's the reason why we've been recognized by safewise.com. They're a, a calculator of the safety ratings based upon criminal activity and uh, tracking that through the FBI reports and that. Uh, they've started doing this about six or seven years now. Grand Rapids has been listed in the top 25 in the state of Wisconsin, safest in the state of Wisconsin all of those years. Uh, 1999 was our banner year. We were listed as number one safest community in the state of Wisconsin. Wow. And I think SafeWise report from 2018 has a seventh in right. the state and 82nd across the nation. Right. And unfortunately, this year we were 10th. Our statistics were not bad. It just happened that we're compared to so little differences from other communities in the, in the state that have also been very good. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, you know, you, you strive to do the best you can. Uh, some of the things you just can't control, but it's basically this measure is really looking at your violent crimes. Okay. You know, your sexual assaults, your uh, robberies, your break-ins and stuff like this, and murders for, that's a bad score on you. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, But one of the things that I want to do maybe in the next month, because I know uh, in preparation for May being um, police officer awareness awareness and and all that good stuff, um, is get Mel into Chief Peterson to do an interview. He's got a a great background, too. He was a swell, swell find for the the town. Um, Served as a Marine for a good long time. I know he's got a lot of uh, FBI training connections, and he's just been around in a good way. Yeah. So with all of his experience he brought in, and he likes being here in the small town. His, his original uh, uh, home was in uh, Vesper, Wisconsin. That's where he grew up, mm-hmm. and that's where he got his first uh, shot at being a police officer. And then he worked for the, I believe, Wisconsin Rapids, and then maybe Oshkosh, and then got into the military, then got with FBI. His latest last position with the FBI was in charge of Homeland Security at O'Hare Airport for the outgoing flights, I believe. But uh, again, he has a wealth of knowledge. And when we have something come up that we need to dig in, he's got people that he's, he's got the connections that connections. he can, yeah. he can yeah. go with. So we, we have a, a really great police department. What about our, our fire? So right. is the fire still a volunteer? But Ben has been telling me that we do have a designated chief. Right. And everybody else is volunteer. Is that correct? Correct. What what we did, and this dates back to 10, 15 years ago, uh, is decide, decided that there was enough work to be done that you needed to have somebody there full time. Okay. So we made one person. And then he has support staff. He has assistant chiefs. And then he has captains. And then he has lieutenants all direct out and they're keyed out to who they're they interact with on, on doing work projects and inspection of trucks like that. Uh, that's, that's a good process because Grand Rapids doesn't just serve ourselves. Okay. Uh, we contract with uh, Saratoga for 
about a half of their community and also the town of Grant for about half of their community. You know, we, we were looking at a funding source, so how do we assess what we should charge them, basically, you know, right. to, to the services? We want to charge $250 per truck per hour. Well, that could get very expensive if you had a major fire. Yes. So we established a protocol that we said, okay, we took the number of fire calls that were in Grant, Saratoga, combined them. We took the number of fire calls that we were doing in Grand Rapids, and we said, what percentage are those? Turned out that our outside communities were roughly 46% of the cost. So what we did is we looked at what's our static costs are just our normal cost to do anything, not what it's going to cost us for a new fire truck, which I'll love to talk about in a minute. Mm -hmm. But it worked out to be that that was extremely close to what we charged them for. So they hopefully feel comfortable with the contracts that we have with them. Uh, we have two years left on the contracts. We'll be uh, talking to those folks in the near future about looking at whether we want to sit down and talk about another 10-year contract with them. But it's worked out good. Uh, we also do uh, uh, accident for the town of Grant uh, car accident response. We have uh, the Jaws of Life and the tools like that. Uh, prior to us having that, because they're Portage County, the Wood County re Rescue won't well, go there. Right. Well, the, we had and to unless be... they're really merged, they called. Right. But so, it would start with the village of Plover, I believe. Exactly. Village of Plover had to send trucks to, to Grant to, to work on it. And us being close as we are, our chief said, you know, we've got the stuff. I mean, we won't charge you anymore. And we'll just change the protocol with them and have them page us. Uh, we just had a call the other day. We were out, a uh, vehicle tipped over on Slippery Road. and mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I heard the... Uh the fire the sirens go by so yeah. that was and, and that makes response time so much faster instead of having to page plover and plover say well go ahead and mutual aid for yeah. services from grand rapids and wood county um i was on the rescue squad for 16 years so i, oh, I got you, a little bit of that you got a little knowledge of it yeah. and then you also understand that portage or grant uses united as their ambulance service so it makes sense for two departments that work together a lot right are out there working on it because you, each one knows each other's uh, jobs, what you got. So, and they're just down the street anyway. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of one of the other things that the fire department will do is act as first responder service to assist right. with United Ambulance. Right. I believe we have 14 first responders. Uh, we had an interesting uh, set of circumstances just uh, about uh, three, four weeks ago. Uh, Fire chief got a call from the people that's we bought our last AEDs, the the uh, devices to help uh, get a person's pulse back on, and said, uh, "You better test all your units, and you need to test them this way because we're having severe failures." Oh my! Eight out of the ten failed. Ooh, the that's test. not good. Yeah. Out of warranty, out of replacement. So the town board at the last meeting had to decide, okay, how are you going to replace those? Well, the chief found out that it was about $9,000 worth to do it. The town didn't have that money budgeted, uh, but we did have a income come into us uh, of $5,000, which happened to be a reimbursement for safe uh, work comp claims. Okay. Okay, so we got that as extra income. We said to the chief here, you can have this, and is it possible that your picnic fund could pick up the other $4,000? And they did. They chose to do that. That is great. So yeah. we have the 10 eight, sitting on the shelf tonight. The board will see them when they get there tonight, and uh, and hopefully everybody will be back. They'll have those back in service. You know, they're not often used, but... You want every squad car to have one, and you want all the primary first responders that are making a lot of calls to have it, because you you just never know when you're when you've got that heart attack patient that you really, really need, need to it. get. You really need it, and the times we've used them, they've been pretty successful. Well, that's good. 
Now you mentioned that we had a new fire truck. Right. So what did we buy? What did we get? We we bought what's called a Rosenbauer. Uh, Rosenbauer is a company that's built fire trucks in Europe. Uh, they have like four or five plants in the United States. Uh, Rosenbauer and Pierce are the two good manufacturers, and we have Pierce fire trucks. Okay, and those mm-hmm. are built in Appleton. Appleton, Oshkosh, and whatever, depending mm-hmm. parts of. Well, what we saw are the the uh, what we call the truck selection committee, made up of senior firefighters and act, real active ones. They looked at uh, the issues that we have with our trucks. Is that you know we are in a rust environment, right? Oh yes, yes. Uh, Rosenbard uh, appeared to them to have a better program and a better handle on on the rust prevention. Sure. And if anybody comes over sometime, we'll show you what it what it is. It's pretty amazing. Everything is coated with a, a, a black type armor type coating, and I can't give you the next actual term name right but uh, they decided to buy uh, that that made sense to them and this truck uh, differs from our first primary engine in the fact that it uh, has a little better safety uh, opportunity the drivers the driver the controller of the fuel pump is actually on the right side of the vehicle towards the back so he's typically a little farther away from anything um he's got a radio back there for his frequencies so when he's talking to people that are in the fires he's away from the engine noise of the of the truck which is quieter for Mm -hmm. him he can control that and the type of truck that the the town uh, fire department chose has storage for all the hoses and the ladders that's basically inside a compartment so you don't have all this stuff getting wet what? and slippery and froze up on the outside of the truck and all the hoses getting full of ice and that. So right. it's actually a better, better, better deal, a better setup for safety yeah. wise too. That's great. They uh, are still actively planning their picnic this year. Good. Still waiting for health department approval. They've mm-hmm. asked for it. Uh Easter egg hunt is one of their big things that we've always done. Uh, always at Midstate on uh, the grassy area. However, not this year. Okay. Uh, we're still a little leery of COVID. So, so we're going to do a drive through. Oh, nice. We did uh, that last year, I believe. Yeah, or they, there's been a couple drive throughs. Right, I believe the Qantas. Yes. Did that last year. We're going to do it at the Grand Rapids Lions. Okay. Uh, the chief and uh, a couple others are out buying candy today. Oh, how fun. Uh, we're going to stack up probably a thousand bags, uh, kind of somewhat by age group, so that we can try to get appropriate things. Right. And then there'll be some of them that'll have 50 cent pieces thrown in because we usually have enough money from it's the- always kind of fun to get that 50 cent piece it's an unusual coin to have around mm-hmm. and we'll probably do that uh, uh times are not set yet but look for the lion's marquee to have that information on it and obviously the the paper and the buyer's guide will have that information shortly well excellent to, uh, get that going for the community but so while we're still on on the fire on, on our fireman topic here um we're new to grand rapids and so say that the kids want to come over this weekend and we want to have like a fire in the backyard. Do we need a burning permit? If, and then where do I go for that? Well, if you're inside of your firing, if mm-hmm. you have one, you don't. Uh, okay. If the fire is larger than six foot by six foot by six foot. Say you had a pile of brush, then you need a permit. Okay. Now, previously, you could go to the town hall and get a permit good for a year. Now you do it through the DNR's website. Okay. You register for it. You got to read the the uh, the things that it says. All you the gotta fine print. Yeah. You, you got to sign it, and then they'll email you, or you can print off your your permit for the year, and it's good for a year. Okay. Uh, DNR changed the rules and and allowed for uh, brush burning on Sundays. Grand Rapids had to change our ordinance to match that, so we didn't have conflicting. Issues with people saying, okay, the permit says this, but no, Grand Rapids is 
It's always really hard when one says one thing and the other says the other, and it's like, okay, who do I follow? Right. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> right. So. I noticed um, to find out some of that information and, and you know, ordinances and who to contact, um, townofgrandrapids.org is a great website. Um, whoever did this was was really good at understanding how to get information and links and separate it out and it's really intuitive so um it's an easy way to contact the town directly uh yes there i know is the, a, there is an info information email. Re- email that gets to it and the staff immediately directs that where it needs to go that's good yeah and if it's snow plowing issue there's two of us that get that <laughs> <laughs> well, well i do have to say you know as far as snow plowing this this winter it was quite nice i mean the roads were cleared off in a timely manner you know, it wasn't, and they were doing all the sanding and all the salting. I was just, you know, really impressed of how well the roads were kept up. So even though we live in the country, we still have that service available to us. You yes. know, but, you know <laughs> what the day, strange thing about it is we have up to three days to plow the roads according to state statutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But obviously uh, our goal used to be to get it done in uh, 12, 13 hours. Uh, now with the advancement in equipment and that and and putting some part-time employees on that the board approved is typically an eight-hour turnaround from mm-hmm. start to finish. Uh, uh, they have trouble with the equipment because of their severe salting issues that they have. Mm-hmm. The computers on those trucks are just terrible to keep the lights and everything going because they just corrode off. Yep, the salt just done. corrodes everything. Yeah. Uh, and I talked to Rick uh uh, Austin, who is the lead guy at our crew, he said our salt usage this year is way down from other years. We went through a lot less, and they're a little more stringent, just trying to keep it on the corners mm-hmm. uh, where stop signs are and the safe issues. And they know the certain hills that need to have something on, and there are some subdivisions that um, maybe they're, uh, uh, there's a drop down to the creek areas where there mm-hmm. uh maybe some 20 30 foot gentle gentle slide yep. down where they need to uh, uh address those and they take care of those and uh, some of the areas get are really shaded they've they've ice up you know the town does not have curb and gutters and there are some people from time to time that complain we we uh, roll up the grass, and yeah, we probably do. Uh, we don't always uh, know where the center of the road is during a snowstorm. During when everything's covered blizzards. with yeah, yeah, it's all covered when there's no tracks in it. Uh, you may wander off a little bit, and sometimes just the sheer plowing of the blade, uh, because the blade is angled in a direction that may pull you into off, and we do tear some up. Uh, but it's one of those things you kind of expect living in Wisconsin that the roads are going to get plowed, the lawn playing on the you know that two feet, three feet from the road it it's, might possibly going to get right. That's that's what we call the shoulder area of the road, and mm-hmm. you know for years uh, you couldn't do anything but have gravel there. Well, the town kind of got into the more subdivided look, and people wanted more. Aesthetics, and they let their grass grow up to the edge of the road. Mm -hmm. Well, it's fine for the first few years. It may be down. The town always asks for the road edge and then a drop down of nine inches to where you start your grass. Sure. Okay. Well, eventually that got filled in with dirt, dirt, uh, more sod, and it starts to raise up. So then when the blade angled at the edge of the way the road is angled, if it gets off, it gets into that. But we don't try to. They people think we we're targeting them. Uh, I'm sorry, we're not. But that's we go back and fix up any major issues in the spring. Just yeah. so the, the crew really doesn't like to do that. Well, then if they don't like to do it, don't tear it up, right? Yeah. Right. We we had a little bit of that in front of our house, but it wasn't significant. And I I kind of thought it as a good thing too because they're pushing that snow farther away from. The street, so it would kick out farther and not build up, build up the big high snow banks. And right, we looked at it as something you know positive. So now, one of the other advantages that I saw coming into the town was the tax rate 
seems to be a little bit lower than in the city. And I know that um, it had been quite some time since Grand Rapids went through and, and did a reassessment right. and whatnot, and that just happened. Right. Basically, all that does is uniformly put the houses together. There are some house air, homes that uh, went up significantly. In mm-hmm. uh, talking to some of the owners that had that uh, happen to them, they said, well, I agree. I bought my house for $100,000 more than you had me appraised for. Yeah. And the assessors use uh, state guidelines. They're, they're not just going by women, whatever. Uh, they need to match that state uh, equalized value assessment. If we don't meet it, then there's either a percentage of our tax base we have to add on or take off if we're tech, if if our values are higher than what the state says they are. Right now, they're within a half of 1%, and that's good enough. Uh, but it's it's strange. When I uh, first was in the town, the tax rate was like $3.08 per thousand. Sure. Now, this last year was $2.56 per thousand. So, you know, how do we do that? Well, it's not that uh, the town is just that more efficient. It's just that there's more people out here help, helping to pay that taxes. It spreads out a little bit more. I mean, two mm-hmm. years ago, we built 32 homes in one year. Oh, wow. And I think we did, I want to say 16 uh, last year, maybe 19. Uh, going to guess, and I think we're off to a good start this year, the way it sounds. Looks like the builders that can build are, are building, even though, uh, as you're probably aware of in the industry, lumber prices are through the roof. Yeah, they're about triple from what they were a year and a half ago. A sheet yeah. of bland next plywood is like close to forty-five to fifty dollars. Yeah. So, oh. but yeah, compared to the, I, I did a study, and, and and again, I'm not here to bash the neighbors, uh, the te- the cities and the towns. They have different costs than, than what Grand Rapids. Said let's let's be out in front of it. But you know, we are uh, this from the southern end of the county. Grand Rapids came in at the lowest, uh, you know, house valued at 150000 had a tax levy of 2541 compared to, you know, anywhere from 4000 to $5,000, depending on what city or village you lived in. And again, they all have different costs. Most of them have uh, uh, water and sewer systems that are expensive to maintain, and we have our septic systems that you know, maybe in 25 years it'll fail and you'll have to put another fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 into it. But uh, I guess you pay me now or you pay me later. And that's right. one of the trade-offs. So we're not paying for the city infrastructure. Um, a lot more of that here in the town is held on the responsibility of the individual homeowner. So it's a trade-off. That's exactly. And, and water, for the most part, we're, the town has uh, good water. Uh, there are some areas over near the airport, for example, uh, that have to go pretty deep to get water, even though Nepco Lake is, is right there. <laughs> is right there. You don't understand it, but the infrastructure is how it is, has uh, poor quality water. Uh, back just uh, to the north of where you're living, uh, near the farm area there, that water in the spring gets high. Mm-hmm. And there is a drainage system that was built in the 70s. Mm-hmm. that uh, funnels hopefully a lot of that off but here to run it down to 64th reach down to Lake Wazicha. Uh, town tried to figure out a number of years ago how that got in and who paid for it. And I searched through the archives, all the minutes, all the treasurer's reports around that time frame, and I cannot find that the town expended any money for it but when it failed uh, two years ago, the town stepped up and we fixed it. Uh, that is good. We had a uh, contractor uh, come in and put a uh, plastic liner in through the metal tube, which was actually two inches less diameter, but he was able to line a section with about uh, 400 foot of plastic. And so far, we haven't had any more issues yet. That creates a far smaller project than having to dig up all of the yards, even though they're right next to the street, and having to redo that right. from the top side. Yeah. So it uh, came as a, a piece of it collapsed uh, on the corner of 64th. Um, the pipe collapsed, and 
pretty soon we had water finding its way up to the road and oh no we had to do an emergency repair we had to jump on it and get that thing we thought we were going to lose power poles and that because that was a lot of water coming through at that point in time and uh the water table has has been high for the last seven years mm-hmm. uh above normal waterfall uh water in the form of either snow or or uh, rain in our community for seven years uh, we have a good uh, uh tracking system on it because uh our former town dump that was closed probably uh 30 years ago has a monitoring well system all around it that uh has to be monitored quarterly uh, to make sure nitrates are not sleeping out of it right uh, mm-hmm. it was capcorn and dnr procedures and uh so far it's not leaching anything out and uh, every time they come in they give us a measurement of what the water table is at so well, that's, that's um, good to have that that data so that way when people are moving into the area, they can research that to, to yep. see what type, type of basement they're going to do. Exactly. Uh, you know, a good guide to that is, of the water table is to look at the Lions Club pond. Oh, okay. And, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. During that high spring, it was high. It was three foot higher than it's, than it's ever been. And now is down to probably maybe a foot higher than normal. But it's getting back down to the normal the city has a lot of uh, gives us a little help from time to time because they do have a well that's not too far away that kind of helps draw some of that uh, sub subsurface water out mm-hmm. and uh, there's actually three springs in that pond that bring fresh water into it so uh, the lions club is fortunate they don't get a lot of green showing up in the in the water yeah, not a lot of algae has time to grow when it keeps moving. Keeps moving, that's exactly right. One of the things that I also found interesting was the investment in the airport. Because a lot of people think the airport is just, it's in, it's in the city, but it's a culmination like four, of... Yeah, there's four... Of na- neighboring communities as yeah, well. Yeah, there's four communities, you know, Nakusa, Port Edwards, the city, and us. Originally, there were five, there was five involved, that Beeren was involved in it when it was initially... But actually, three of us have land that's inside of that area, Port Edwards, uh, Grand Rapids, and us are in the city. Um, it was given to us by the Alexander family, uh, and uh, a commission was formed to run it. Uh, at that point in time, there was some air service uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. that would uh, be regular uh, transit air service that would go to Chicago with the commuter. I flew on that many times when I was working in the trucking industry, going out to uh, uh, shop facilities that we had all over the East Coast and whatever, um, and uh, really liked that. But uh, as the cost of a slot at the airport became more and more valuable, uh, obviously there wasn't a, it wasn't a rate that they could charge in order to do that. But uh, currently out there, there's... Uh, um, a number of uh, pilots that have planes inside of hangars that uh, they own the hangar, but they don't own the ground. Sure. And okay. uh, it's called personal property and it's taxed where it's in Grand Rapids or in the, the city. Uh, a couple of years, uh, like four years back when uh, we started to get wind of uh, the Sand Valley uh, going to build, we looked at how are we going to make this airport available to service the jets. The runway was long enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but we had room for like three to be on the ground at any time. So uh, I made an initial call to Scott Krug because um, I had seen in the previous governor's budget that there was some side little things that were set asides, I guess, if you want to call it that, that went specifically to somebody to do something. And I, I said, Scott, is there any chance we could we could do something for the airport? And he said, well, wait till this election is over. If I get reelected, then we could talk. Sure. Well, luckily he got. So then the mayor and I got together and we had some conversations with him and he basically said, uh, what do you need? Uh, write up a proposal, uh, and 
I'll take it and try to find some help. Uh, turned out he had some extremely good help with Senator Pat Teston, who also covers our area. Uh, and they worked with the governor. Governor initially uh, wasn't too excited about it, but at the last minute, our request, uh, we had a request in for $7.2 million. Um, dollars wasn't the overall budget a four point four million dollars yes they ended up giving us a little over four million yeah it was great to kind of watch i mean they did the city did a great job i'm not sure if the town did a you know they would always do the drone over the top of this is what we we accomplished this Uh, week and you got social media updates yeah Yeah. you got to see it go from let's just start digging up the the ground to what it looks like today so one of the things we had to do was we knew that our major runway which is a hundred foot wide and uh 5,500 foot long, uh, the life expectancy was only another three or four years. So we were able to get the feds to pick up a uh, overlay cost at 80% of it. So we only used 20% of our special funds that we got from the state to get that runway. So we have that upgraded uh, to probably last another 15 years. And then uh, uh, basically the tarmac or the parking area was the next thing that we needed to do. And, uh, those funds helped do that. Uh, when it was all said and done, we had a little over $2 million left. And one of our requests was a hangar. It was also a fuel system, but that got kicked out because we thought the hangar was more appropriate. And it sure. is a gorgeous hangar. I've yeah. been in it a couple of times. It is a very pretty hangar. It's, uh, Turned out to be that's about a little over a $2 million hangar. It's set up with uh, the most important things uh, that we could find when we search other airports. What they have was in-floor heating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has a 28-foot high door and a 100-foot wide opening, which means the, the largest Gulf Stream that currently was built a Model 650 would fit in that hangar, but it would take the whole hangar up. Okay. And now they're building a 700, which uh, puts us out. But it's basically a 100 and 110 foot wide and uh, 120 foot, uh, roughly uh, 15,000 uh, and 15,000 plus square foot. Uh, and when a jet comes in that wants it, you know, they typically want to get it inside. Not all of them do. Uh, but if there's weather, bad weather, then boy, do they want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's anywhere from uh, uh, if we can, if it's small jets, we can put four or five in. Okay. And, you know, they're going to pay $400 a piece or so. Uh, if a big jet comes in and wants it, that's probably up to $1,000 they'll pay for just one night of having it in there. That that was always a question. Is it, you know, are they renting it or is this just a public use type hangar that's free? Mm-hmm. But it, it's nice to hear that we're getting some residual funds coming in to offset. Right. And, you know, we had a, we had a request from Wood County health. They were looking for where could they give drive-through vaccinations. Right. They came to us and and the commission said, well, why not? Right. If you got the building and we're we're able to do it, why not? Two big uh, garage doors on the side. Uh, There was room to drive in, uh, turn around and drive back out and go sit in an area. Uh, two weeks ago, they told me they they're, they're, they did 530 shots that day, and their average time for a shot, they were given one shot a minute. Nice. So they ramped up, got it up, and if they get more and more drugs, they'll just work longer hours or they'll use another day. Now, uh, you know, we told them, you know, certainly you can have this as, uh, during the weather that times that we don't need it, but we get into May then it may be the when the will, severe weather starts kicking in and we're not yeah, sure what that, we're going to get. And we're getting we're, more people flying into the area at that time too. That's, right. That's when the pilots are coming in here and we may have to, because primarily property on an airport is supposed to be used for airport airplane functions. Correct. But we did get a BOA permission to do this. We approached them, Ken, is it okay to do this? Well, and we thought it is an, a natural, uh, give back to our community. Right. You know, we had many businesses that helped write letters when we made our proposal to the state of Wisconsin to governor 
that backed us in our proposal because they saw the economic value to it that it made sense for us to tell the community, here, come and use it. All right, we're going to take a break here at the end of our first hour, talking with Arnie Nystrom from the town of Grand Rapids. Make sure you come back to hour two when we continue our discussion. We'll focus more on the amenities that Grand Rapids has to offer, and we'll pick right back up with the airport. Definitely some interesting new items coming in with the airport here in Wisconsin Rapids. Alexander Field has been around for a very long time, and actually really got constructed in the 1920s, about 1927. So to hear a little bit more about where we're going with the airport and, and our little town over here in Grand Rapids, stay tuned for Hour 2. Some quick things to catch up on. Remember to head over to townofgrandrapids.org for their great website. They've got a lot of information on pretty much everything about the town. If you want to know more about the governmental structure, about who to contact, about elections, how those are run, when they are, what's on the upcoming ballots, you can find all that out, along with information on the fire department and public works. If you'd like to give the town office a call, go ahead and dial 715-424-1821. And like Arnie had said, they've they've really got a, a great response over there. The town really works as a a good team. Every time I had some information requests, gave them a call. They were very eager and helped completely. Uh, it was a big help, actually, when we purchased our house here in Grand Rapids. There were some interesting um, questions I had about the drainage system that was along 64th, and they were able to lead me to the right people and get those questions answered. So I was very thankful for that. Also, whenever we have questions about exactly the covenants for each of the subdivisions here in Grand Rapids, they do have those on file. So if you're looking for a house in Grand Rapids, give them a call. There might be some covenants and restrictions for your individual subdivision. That's something we always encourage buyers to be curious about. If you're into a subdivision situation, they might not have a homeowners association, but they may have covenants and restrictions about what you can build on the property. For instance, fences or auxiliary structures, those extra structures might need to mimic the look of the house per the, the covenants. And all those covenant restrictions do flow with the land. So it's not just from one owner and then they go away when you purchase it. You're purchasing the land in that subdivision, which has those restrictions. So those are different than an HOA. And I think we might talk about that in a future episode, just what makes those differences unique. A little bit of history, Grand Rapids and Wisconsin Rapids and the city of Centralia has, has a history that goes about 120 years back. So the city of Grand Rapids really came into being in the late 1800s. Dave Whitney um, created the dam down in a Point Bass area, and he was looking up river to find sources of new hydropower. The water power was a big driving force in this community as far as not only creating electricity later on, but taking water energy that moved across the falls, converting it into mechanical energy to help process wood, creating paper, and other products as well. So he had come up here a couple miles and found a 45-foot falls they called Zetal Rapids, which is French roughly for Grand Rapids. The city of Centralia was on the west side of the bank. That got founded in about 1900. Grand Rapids, here on the east side of the river, well, they finally got conjoined and, and married in the early 1900s. And in 1920, we celebrated this last year, and we probably would have celebrated a little bit more if it weren't for the pandemic. But the name got changed to Wisconsin Rapids. Now, of that time, a town was still being ran, the town of Grand Rapids. And like Arnie had said, the 
governmental structure is different between a city and a town. And this also explains why many of the city infrastructure of Wisconsin Rapids, you know, the sewer and all those other infrastructure items, really was pushed into and taken over of areas of the town. Uh, we do see that a lot over by the airport. There keeps coming up on the market houses, and we start asking the homeowners, do you know of any abandoned septics that were in this area? And, and we have a good number that have said, yes, there was a septic system, but it was abandoned in the 50s or 60s or whenever they converted over. So if you'd like more information about the town of Grand Rapids, remember, townofgrandrapids.org. The office number is 715-424-1821. And if you'd like to more excuse me, if you'd like to know more about the history of the area, go ahead and check out our links over at myrapids.info. Or if you would like to check out more of the inventory of homes that are listed for sale in the area, it's always changing. There's always homes coming up on the market. Head over to myrapids.com. MyRapids.info and MyRapids.com are the places to go. Now, if you have comments or questions for us here in the radio show, these are pre-recorded episodes, but you can send that to MyRapidsRadio at gmail.com. So it's a quick little link. Just send us some information. If you have comments, questions about being a homeowner in one of our area communities, send it to MyRapidsRadio at gmail.com. Because it's not just... Carrie and I, whose rapids this is, Wisconsin Rapids, Grand Rapids, the Wisconsin River, it's everyone's in the community to share. So stay tuned, we'll come back for hour two and continue talking with Arnie Nystrom. Mm-hmm. 